You're listening to the City Lights Podcast. City Lights is a church located in Greenville, South Carolina, devoted to building family, blessing neighbors, and bringing good news to the nations. Thanks for joining us. So for, uh, for my family, um, my wife is the holiday cheermeister. She, uh, she is just crazy. And it's not just like Christmas. It's like every like birthday Every Christmas, she is just ready to party, like wants to go hard. And my thing is, I like to party, but I don't like to work for the party. You know what I mean? So she's like, we're going to go see lights, and we're going to do the tree, and, we're gonna, and I'm like, see, I just don't want to do any of that. I want to look at all that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to get in the car. It's cold outside. We do this thing in, out in Easley. It's like a 3 days carriage ride out, uh, out west or whatever. Um, out in Easley, they have this light show, and you can, like, turn on a radio station. You guys know about this? You turn the radio station on, and you go to different places, and it'll, like, synchronize with the music. And she wanted to do it last year. She's like, it's going to be great. And I was just like, but it's cold, and, like, we got to get the kids in the car, and, like, my, I don't have the antenna on my Jeep, so the radio's going to be in and out. And I'm just like, excuses, excuses, excuses. She's like, no, we're doing it. And she, like, makes us do it. And we always have fun. We always decorate the cookies, and it's, it's always great, right? Are you ever upset about it? You're not. Alternatively, there are some people who are more like Grinches. Am I right? You guys got Grinches in the family? It's not necessarily just Christmas, but it can be any fun we're trying to have. There's that person. You know what I mean? We just want to watch the football game. Well, you know, the, the views have been down on the Super Bowl over the past five years. No one really watches this anymore. They just watch it for the commercials. It's like, okay, like... We just want to watch the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Can we just watch the Super Bowl? You know what I mean? Thanksgiving. So there's that guy. There's that guy that comes to Thanksgiving, and he brings up Donald Trump. And you're like, good heavens. Like, I'm just here with my family, man. Like, you know, I'm just trying to, like, have a good time. You've got your cheermeisters, but you have your Grinches. Here's the thing about Grinches, and here's what I love about the latter of the two Grinches. Grinches aren't just born that way. You know what I mean? You don't just have a Grinch and, like, they're just around and they're grumpy or they're sarcastic or they're pessimistic. You know what I mean? They're not just like that. It all comes from somewhere, right? Any psychology majors in the house? Can you just like see these people in the crowds, you know? Like my wife, I think I've said this before, she's a psych major and she always talks about my inner child whenever I'm acting out, you know? She's always like, it's your inner child. And I'm like, this isn't helping. I'm not, I don't feel better now. I'm a grown man, you know, crying as I'm saying that. Um, you're right. More than like having these holidays, holiday experiences, you've got certain people, and we're not going to label as Grinches, that's just me, I'm being silly, but people who just have this sadness about them. And that's the whole thing with the Grinch, right? We come to learn, dude had a bad childhood, and he hates Christmas for a reason. He doesn't just hate Christmas for hating it. He's got some deep woundedness he has to deal with, right? He ends up dealing with it, and his heart grows, and it's awesome. And sometimes that's exactly what I think some of us and, and the people in our family, what they actually need is they need that moment where their heart can grow, you know, because the heart's gotten too small. And why has it gotten too small? It's gotten too small because of disappointment. It's gotten too small because of hurt and pain. And the Grinch looks silly and looks odd. But his story is real, and I think we can relate to it. So as much as, like, we have the family guys who are uh, Bicklebaum over here. Everybody like Bicklebaum? He's a handsome-looking guy. Sometimes we have the Grinches, and sometimes we feel like the Grinch, yeah? Have you ever been, like, at a party or something or hang out with your friends or hang out with your family, and you're just not in a good mood, and you can feel it, and you're like, I don't really want to be here right now. I don't really want to be having a good time. 
And it's because, like, there's something in us, probably undealt with, that we can't help but, like, wear on our sleeves. You know what I mean? But because we don't want to, like, just be outright hurt or outright disappointed, we become pessimistic. We become sarcastic. And we say, that's how we love people. And that's my way of showing love. It's like, well, I don't know about that. Because it's painful. You know what I mean? But that's, what, that's the thing is, like, it all is tied to some sort of pain. It's all tied to some sort of unanswered prayer. Like, you think about it in the church. How many of us are in this room right now? And, like, I don't know about you guys, but I, I couldn't really, like, focus during worship this morning because I just sensed the Lord in this room. But maybe some of us are in here, and that was annoying. <laughs> that's the truth, and that's okay. Maybe, like, seeing somebody screaming on stage because they love God so much and they love his glory so much bothered you or annoyed you, got on your nerves. Why is that, you know? Can we be honest about those kinds of things? It's not that you're doing anything wrong. This isn't a condemnation message. It's just a reality. Does God get on your nerves? Does church get on your nerves? Does the Bible get on your nerves? And all of those things, like I said before, they're tied to some sort of pain or hurt, you know? Not that God has hurt you, because that's just not biblically true. We can all say that with our words, but it feels like he hurt me. Or it feels like he abandoned me. Or it feels like he left me. Have you, have you felt that way before? I sure have. I felt abandoned. I've felt let go. What we're going to celebrate today, and this is a Christmas series, but we're not just going to talk about the manger, is we want to get to this point, like the shepherds, like Zechariah and Elizabeth, like Mary and Joseph, where we're adoring at the manger. People came to the manger because they were worshiping. They weren't just told to go there. They saw and heard from angels and from heaven above that this is the Son of God, the Messiah to come. And they went and worshiped, right? So my heart today is that we would come and worship this morning. But it's hard for us to worship if there's pain and disappointment, right? The beautiful part of this relationship with God is that it's full of something called grace. Have you guys heard of grace before? The grace of God is that our resistance or our, our lack of awareness toward him is not a contingency on him using us or him moving in us, right? So what I'm trying to say is maybe you're here and you are hurt. Maybe you're here and you're sad and you're feeling kind of grinchy <laughs> towards the Lord. The beautiful thing about grace is that he not only cares about you, not only does, does he love you, but he's seeking to work in and through your life specifically to your life. Something we're going to talk about today is that God has a plan, right? And we all know the plan. Bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth through Jesus, saving the world from their sin. The, my favorite thing about the Lord is that in that plan, he specifically is working on you. And he is specifically hearing about your pain and the things you care about and the things you stay up at night about. He cares about all of it. And he's still moving his kingdom. That's wild. Sometimes do you feel like it's not like that? Do you feel like, well, God's just, it's just this bullet train moving and I just got to hop on and just go feed the poor and go live on mission. But he doesn't care about this other stuff. It's the complete opposite. Somehow, by his power and his grace, we are on the train moving and he's working us out. Does that make sense? And that's what we're going to talk about here today. It's not in spite of that pain, it's not in spite of doubt or fear, which some of us have this morning, but it's because of those things that God is choosing to work with us and work through us to prove his power and glory, which is awesome. 
more than some sign in the clouds and more than some, just some verbally answered prayer. He wants to move in power in your life through your frustration, through your grinchiness, and work things out in you. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. And I'm going to be jumping around. There's 80 verses in Luke, and I said, I don't, I don't think I'm going to do that. I'm just going to try and stick to some sections. So this is the story of a, a guy named Zechariah. Everybody say Zechariah. Um, and a woman named Elizabeth. Everybody say Elizabeth. And a woman named Mary. So traditionally, you guys have probably heard this story before, but we're actually just going to focus on Zechariah today and Mary. And Luke, the author of this book, does something really, I think, impressive and something that translates to our day today. He puts two stories up side by side together, and they're both the same story. It's the same thing happening to two different people. But the result of these two stories are completely different, right? So we're going to start in Luke 1, starting in verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron, or Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Uh, basically, Zechariah is a priest, and he has this thing he has to do um, as a, uh, not your Libra, I would say a priestly duty. So he has this job he has to do every once in a while, and he's chosen by lot. It's like drawing straws, okay? Like he's randomly, on this random day, being chosen to go in and burn the incense, Okay. Verse 11, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born. Kristen prayed for that this morning, that um, children in the womb would be filled with the Holy Spirit, and I just love that. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on, he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Man, if somebody came to me when my wife was pregnant with my daughter and said all that, I'd be stoked. I'd be like, great, man. Sign me up. You know what I'm saying? Um, a couple things to, to point out here is uh, if you go back, it says that they were found faithful, that they walked with God. So, again, this, these are things that are on purpose. These are things that are not on accident, okay? Who have we heard before that were faithful, that walked with God, that were favored, that were blessed? Abraham and Sarah, Right? Noah and his family, when God was going to send a flood, he said, but Noah, you are faithful to me, you walk with me, so I'm going to hold you back from the flood. I'm going to protect you and your family, right? We're supposed to pay attention to that. Like, God has a purpose for these guys. He's setting them apart, okay? Number two, we notice that they're barren, which again, Abraham and Sarah were barren. And Luke's wanting to say that 
Things are starting to go how they went before, okay? It's a new thing, but God is moving, which also, some of you probably know this, but the Lord had been silent for 400 years. No prophets were speaking. No miracles were happening. Nothing's going on. Dead silence. So out of nowhere, an angel shows up in the temple and is saying all these truth-filled things. You can take all of this scripture and point it back somewhere to a prophecy being fulfilled. It's all from the Torah. Zechariah, of all people as a priest, should recognize and see these things and go, check, 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 check. I've seen it all before. All this prophecy is being fulfilled. This guy must know what he's talking about. But even more so than than that, he says to Zechariah that your prayers have been answered. So it's not just telling Zechariah that, hey, there's going to be a guy that's going to come, and he's filled with joy and gladness. He's going to be great. He's going to prepare the way. Your prayers have been answered, and in that prayer of you wanting a baby, this guy's coming. I'm blessing you, and I'm blessing the world. You guys following me? So it's bigger than just like God doing the God thing and doing his kingdom thing, and I'm just watching. He's looking at Zechariah and saying, I'm doing it through you and your family. You had a desire in your heart. You wanted something. Guess what? You got it. And the world is going to be blessed by it. So Zechariah should be pretty stoked, right? The Lord is not only interested in fulfilling his plan, but fulfilling our purpose. That's what I was saying earlier, that he has this plan that's unraveling, the plan for his kingdom, but he also has a plan and a purpose for you, and he's fulfilling it. Uh, I said earlier that the, the priests would have to draw lots or draw straws. You know, it's like they all sat outside, and this was just a way that the Jewish people tried to let go of control, you know, and not say, well, I'd rather not make a decision. I'd rather let the Lord choose. And so drawing a straw was like, well, the Lord chose, so now we're going to do it. So to Zechariah, this is like any other day. This is like any other week. He's just going in the temple, doing his thing. But how many of you know that this wasn't on accident? This was an appointment, right? God was about to do something with Zechariah. And that's why I wanted to say, like, any day that we have with the Lord, any word we hear from the Lord, any moment of prayer, any time in the scripture is not an accident, nor is it wasted. It's on purpose. So we should be paying attention to that. All right, moving on to Luke, uh, verse 18. Chapter 1, verse 18. So the angels just dropped this... Great prophecy to Zechariah. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. So like Hebrew translation of uh, how can I be sure of this is him going, right, okay, okay, sure, okay. (laughs) You know what I mean? Basically him saying like how can I know this is saying, I need a sign. I need you to prove to me. I need, like, the receipt that, that you got this from because I'm not buying it. Now, time out. This is like Oliver, lead pastor of the church, okay, getting up here and saying, guys, I don't know if God's, I don't know if God's talking anymore. Like, it's just like, you're a priest, man. Like, of all people in this whole town, you should be the most convinced of what this guy just said. He's dropping scripture left and right. He's fulfilling prophecies. Like, you should be the one. And he goes, I don't know about it. Something seems off. <laughs> you know, I'm old. My wife's old and barren. And it's like, I just felt like the Holy Spirit was just like, Abraham and Sarah, you just forgetting all of a sudden? Like, like the Lord hasn't done this before. You know what I mean? And it just made me think, like, this guy's like probably in his 90s. Lord hasn't spoken in 400 years. You can infer that he's probably pretty worn out from praying for the same thing. And more than that, 
Put yourself in his shoes as a husband to a wife who can't have children. How painful that must be for both of them. But as a husband, that he's probably carrying that weight around. And now he's frustrated because he's the guy that goes to the temple. And of all people, God should listen to me, right? Because I'm the most faithful. I'm the most obedient. I'm doing the work. I'm putting the work in. Why isn't he listening to me? And that he's become so spiritually blinded that he can't even see what's happening right in front of him. As much as Elizabeth is physically barren and can't have children, Zechariah is spiritually barren. And he can't even come to a point of belief in something that's right in front of his face. It's hard enough to pray to somebody that we can't see, but to be at a point where he is looking in the eyes of Gabriel and he just can't buy it. He has to be in a tough place. He has to be in a hard place. So next up, what we're going to see is that Zechariah is going to ask for a sign. That whole thing of him saying, I don't believe it, is him saying, give me a sign. If you can prove to me that what you're saying is true, I'm in. But I'm just looking at the facts, Gabriel. I'm old. My wife's barren and old. How are you going to make this happen? And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. This is verse 19. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. So Gabriel's like, well, I'm an angel. My name's Gabriel. I stand in the presence of the Lord all day long. (laughs) I'm just here uh, to tell you what's going on. Verse 20. And now you will be silent. And not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. And just to be clear, this isn't a punishment, you know. Uh, Oliver spoke on Ananias and Sapphira like a couple months ago with Acts. You guys remember this story? Like, they don't give all of the money they made off the land, and the Lord just, like, smites them dead. And uh, Oliver always said the youth group pulls them out, <laughs> like, drags the bodies out. And... Um, <laughs> They're not going to camp, you know, they're like dragging dead bodies. Anyways, um, so the thing is, is that's not, that's not to say like this is the norm, you know. So what's the message? The message isn't, hey, if you don't tithe as much as you can give, like God's going to kill you. Like, that's not the truth. But to serve as a, almost as a metaphor, as an example of what it means to withhold that, that when you're withholding from God, not just money, but yourself, you're practically killing yourself, you know, spiritually. And in the same way here, it's not to tell you, like, hey, if you don't have enough faith, God's going to punish you. God doesn't punish like that, right? I think we all can say that and understand that. So the point here isn't that Zechariah got punished because he didn't have enough faith. He asked for a sign, and the angel gave it to him. How many of us, when we need more faith, we're praying for God, heal this, God, say this, God, move this, God, do this, right? We're defining the terms, but it's his terms because it's his world. We're just living in it. <laughs> and that, as much as he's caring for us on that bullet train of the kingdom, the train's still going, okay? His kingdom's coming, not mine. So sometimes God will use something like a prophetic word or a healing to wake you up out of pain and out of hurt. Sometimes he's going to get you to shut up for a little bit, right? That sounds painful and harsh. I'm not trying to be painful and harsh. He's not like that. He's not vindictive. But maybe sometimes when I'm being prideful or I'm being arrogant, maybe God will make me small to remind me of who he is and to remind me that my trust should ultimately be in him because he's the one who's in control. Does that make sense? Sometimes I'm praying for a miracle, and the miracle's there. It's just it kind of hurts or it doesn't feel good, right? God's already doing the work because he's testing you. And what does testing do? makes you stronger, right? 
That's the lesson here with Zechariah. Zechariah, like I say, he's an old man. And I, I'm just, just a side comment here. So I've always been incredibly insecure about being quote-unquote young. That's just a little fun fact about me. But like I said it earlier, like there can be some lost old people and there can be some anointed young people and vice versa. There's lost young people and anointed old people. Zechariah is in his 90s, a priest in the temple, and God has to silence him to get him to listen, right? He, it's not just healing. It's not just prophecy. Sometimes he is using a sign of silence to increase your prayer life and to show you the hardship and how he's going to fix it. Um, the kindness of the Lord is in his specificity to our individual needs. A little note I made. Um, like I said before, like the angel says to Zechariah, he says, like, I'm answering your prayers. You prayed for this, and I'm answering it. And he says, I came to you to bring you good news, right? And somehow Zechariah's not seeing this as good news. He's, he's like, I don't believe you or, or whatever, but we have to know and believe that the heart of the Lord is always for his glory, but it's also for your good, and that maybe it's not the good that you think it is, but it's still good ultimately for you. You know what I mean? And so that's my heart as we, as we continue moving through this passage. Um, we're going to run into Mary now, and Mary is going to be same exact situation, but it's just going to go a little differently. All right, Luke chapter 1, 26. I told you guys I'm going to skip around a little bit. Um, paraphrasing, Zechariah leaves. He comes out of the temple. He can't talk. And all the people, he's supposed to give like a benediction. He's supposed to come out and preach a sermon. And all the people are like standing there waiting for him to start talking. And he's like, you know what I mean? Like he can't talk and he's freaking out. And then they see him freaking out and they said he's making signs. And it says that they know that something happened in there, that he saw a vision or something. The people get it. They weren't even in there. But Zechariah just didn't have the like wherewithal to go, I think the Lord's doing something right now. So anyways, he goes home. I'm guessing he tells his wife or somehow writes it down. And it says that in verse 24, Elizabeth became pregnant. So the miracle's happening. Lord's answering prayer. His kingdom is moving. All right, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel, same guy or same angel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Um, the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Well, Zechariah didn't get that greeting, did he? Well, Mary got it. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. If you go, like, study this passage, it's not that Mary's, like, offended that the angel said that she's favored and the Lord is with her. She didn't feel worthy of that title, to be called favored. Zechariah comes in, and he's like, you know, like, how do I know this is all going to happen? But Mary's seeing the angel and going, why would you call me favored? The Lord's with me. Why is he with me? I'm a 16-year-old handmaid, you know? Like, I... Why would he care about me? So already you can see, like, the conversation's going differently. Verse 30, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asks, how will this be since I am a virgin? So it's a little different. Zechariah asks the question of, how do I know this? That's about his faith. Mary's using discernment because for the angel to say, hey, and you know, there's kids in here. I'm not going to try and get too graphic on like babies and stuff. But Mary knows how babies work. And like, 
The angel's saying, you're going to get pregnant, and you're going to have a baby named Jesus. It's going to be great. She's thinking, well, I'm not married, but I am a virgin. That goes against what the Lord has said. So she starts testing the angel. How, is, how will this be? Discernment and disbelief are two different things. Okay? It's okay to discern. The Bible tells us to discern the spirits. Right? Discernment is a good thing. This is 1 John 4, 1 through 3. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. But this you know, the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and now is already in the world. Mary's testing this angel's words. She doesn't just want to take it at face value. She's going, well, that doesn't really line up with what I've grown up with my whole life hearing. So how will this be? It's a good question. The angel answers, verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive <clears throat> is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. And this is how Mary responds. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. There's different ways to, like, receive what God is saying. There's different ways to hear scripture, to hear a sermon, or to hear a worship song, and to hear truth, and to interpret it. But if our hearts, like Zechariah, are filled with pain, are filled with disappointment, are filled with anger, we cannot hear that voice. You understand what I'm saying? There's a way, that I love what McKinsey was saying earlier, like, the way that we can bring that insecurity bring that pain to the Lord is one thing. But to hold those things in our souls and in our hearts grows bitterness and grows resentment. And I don't want to talk to you anymore because you've let me down. And the, and the more time I spend away from him, the more that I don't know what his voice sounds like anymore. I've said this in a sermon before. If my wife and I were away from each other for six months and then came back, things were a little awkward, you know? Because I haven't had that time of working out trust with you. I haven't that, had that time of conflicting with you to have that assurance of love and faithfulness. You know what I'm saying? So first thing that I just want to say, um, and I am about to wrap up, first thing I want to say is that your ability to hear and discern what God is saying is contingent on the way that you walk with him. The scary thing is you can be like Zechariah and coming to church every Sunday and going to small group every week and tithing every week or every month or whatever, and you can still be so disconnected like Zechariah. Because you're harboring something in your heart that wasn't meant to be harbored. It was meant to be given away. Mary, in her youth and quote-unquote naivety, just the kid over there, knows what it means to worship. She knows who God is. And she knows what his voice sounds like, so much so that she's testing an angel, discerning an angel from the Lord. I don't know if he was radiating or anything, but I'd be like, you've got me sold, man. Like, cool. Sounds good. I don't have that kind of faith, but she does. To go, this doesn't make sense. Why would he say to do that when he said this? Because she knows that God doesn't go back on what he says. But that only comes from time and faith and walking in faith. As I said before, um, the difference between Bickle Bombs and Grinches, it all has to do with pain. It all has to do with 
hardship and, and fear and doubt. And that's what it is at the root. It's just fear and doubt. Because of life, because life hit you hard, because you went through something or some things, I can't look at God the same way. I'm now fearful of what might happen, and I'm doubting what he might be doing. You know? And you, you have no good reason to if you go back to the root of the word of truth, of what the Spirit is saying, what God is saying. You, there's nothing there, but you've created something. You know what I mean? And you're more like a Grinch now, <laughs> you know? And I'm talking more about, less about Christmas and just more about faith and Christianity. Oliver talked about spiritual nausea a couple weeks ago. You guys remember this? He was talking out the sermon with me in, in our staff meeting, and he said, yeah, man, I called it a spiritual nausea. And I went, gosh, like I've never empathized with a more clear statement of how you can get tired of church stuff, you know, just doing the same thing over and over again. But I'm only tired of it because I'm, I'm still on that old wine, you know, or I'm still on that like old word or that old time in the presence or whatever it is. Like when I was a kid and I had that experience and it was really, really great. But then, you know, real life happened and I had to come out of the bubble because real life hit, you know. And I'm here to tell you like God is infecting the real life in a good way. He's infecting real life. And Mary is the proof of what it means to live a life that's saying, despite what's going to happen to me, despite how scared I might be, despite the pain and the awkwardness and the social hardship I'm about to walk into, being a woman in this time period, in this culture, I'm your servant. And I know that you're ultimately in control. I'm not. So whatever you want, I'm in. And that's so hard to say if you haven't had the time in his word, in his light. Does that make sense? So a couple of things um, I told Oliver, and I think we both agreed, like, I don't want us to walk away with, like, a call to action. So I'm going to go home and do this, you know? Christmas time is a time to reflect. We're all running around the malls and spending a bunch of money we don't have and, and all that stuff. Like, we just need to slow down, you know? And I think the Spirit's inviting us to slow down. And I just had some reflections as we move into this Christmas season and learn to adore. Because ultimately, Mary knows what it means to adore. She knows what it means to worship. This is a worship conversation. Mary's given worth to the Father. She has said, you're more worthy than all that other stuff. Zechariah lost his focus, but Mary didn't. But the goodness and the grace of God is that he's chasing after both of them. That Zechariah walks away getting that painful sign, and guess what? He still, him and his wife still have a baby. He still gave a good gift, didn't he? They were still blessed. They're still favored. They're still called, despite his doubt and his fear. So do not walk away today performing. If you're here today and I'm annoying you right now or the worship got on your nerves, that is totally fine. Like, it's cool. It's good. I'm just telling you, go back to the feet of Jesus in whatever capacity that is for you. You know? Don't sit there and think, well, if I just, like, came more often, if I just, you know, like, listened to more worship music, if I just prayed more, if I just, you know, blah, 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 blah. No, man. Just sit and just seek his presence in your life. Look at the good things in your life and know that it came from him. Every good and perfect thing in your life is from him. All right, just a couple reflections. Number one, for those of us in this room with prayers unanswered, you are called, you are favored, and you are blessed. So if you're here today and you've been praying for something for years 
and it's getting annoying, and you're tired, you're tired of crying, you're tired of asking, those three things have not become untrue. You are called, you are favored, and you are blessed. For those of us in here today who are alight with worship and joy, you are called, you are favored, and you are blessed. For those of us today who have doubt or are stagnant in their faith, you too are called, you are favored, and you are blessed. I'm going to pray. Um, If you guys would stand. And I did want to take a little extra time this morning to worship. Um, Most of the time we just, you know, close a song and um, I'll go home. But I, I didn't want to miss an opportunity here this morning. The calling on our lives and that favor, that grace that's been put on our lives, all came at a price. But the price has been paid and now... The beautiful part, like I said before, about that grace that we live in is that you don't have to be in a specific place for God to bless you or for God to hear your prayers or for God to walk with you, that he is already doing those things. And grace invites us not to go, well, let me just be more like Mary, but to look at the two and say, wow, the fact that God used both of them despite their faithfulness or their faithlessness, right? Some of us in here may have, you're just low on faith today. And that's okay. And it's okay to say that out loud. It's okay to say that life or circumstance or whatever has, has beaten you down and you're in here today on your last leg and you're about to call it quits. And the enemy would tell you and tempt you to call it quits. And to just walk away because God didn't turn out how you thought he would. Because he didn't say the things that you wanted him to say. Because he didn't answer the prayer the way that you wanted him to. That church didn't look the way you thought it should. And you've been hurt. You've been pained. Or you're here and you're the opposite. And you're just so pumped about Jesus. The invitation is all the same to just sit at his feet and know who you are. To know that his train is not going to leave without you that he is stopping for your story. That he's stopping for your hurt, your pain, your laughter, your joy. He's stopping for every minute. Thanks again for joining us. If you have been encouraged or challenged by this message, please give us feedback by leaving a comment on this podcast. For more information on our church, visit us at www.citylights.cc. 